Welcome to Learn It From a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen, back with Cameron, and Johnny's joined us again. Johnny uh, bops in and out as his uh, doctor schedule allows him. Hi, Johnny. Hello. Uh, Cameron also bops in and out as his hotel schedule allows him, but, uh, you know, uh, Cameron's um, not doing surgery on... Wait, Cameron, are you doing surgery at the hotel? Um, yes. <laughs> That's one of the services that we now provide is um, right. some sketchy surgery. All right. That sounds like a fun time. That's a good hotel there. Um, no, anyway, grateful to have both of Cameron and Johnny on the podcast. So we're going to today we're going to discuss vaccines. And uh, if you're worried that this is going to be super contentious and or uh, otherwise uh, divisive, that's not what the intent here. We're going to discuss vaccines and the efficacy and the science behind them and uh, and the history and what uh, what kind of, you know, um, from a doctor's point of view, from Johnny, what uh, why why they're safe, how they're developed, why uh, they're useful. And um, and then we'll take a look at some of the questions that sometimes people have about getting vaccines. So let's get it started today. Uh, to start off with, I wanted to talk a little bit about the history. So we often do this in podcasts, but the history of vaccines, Johnny, we were just discussing before the podcast. It's a bit sketchy, right? Did they teach you about that in medical school? Yeah, yeah. They talked to us about the first um, vaccine that was developed, which was, uh, which they tried to do against smallpox because smallpox was such a rampant disease um, back then. I, I think it was the 1800s. I'm not sure. I'm terrible with dates. Don't ask. That's me okay. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at Wikipedia, which is my source of knowledge. Uh, it looks like it's a late 1700s, um, early 1800s when they kind of finally established like a working vaccine. Well, that, that might actually that be. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somewhere around there, yes. <laughs> um, but okay, so that, that's. So they worked on the smallpox vaccine. They, uh, there was, um, it, it's not exactly the type of vaccine testing that we do these days. Um, back then, it had to do with uh, uh, experimenting on children and uh, and uh, trying lots of different things. But you can imagine the procedure is uh, uh, back. You know, 200, 250 years ago, uh, it was unclear. That that kind of stuff is probably preferable to uh, leeches and bleeding. So. Um, that's the kind of uh, science that they were working with in the day. So experimenting on children probably just par for the course. But um, it was the case that they were figuring out that ex- exposure to a particular virus seemed to uh, inoculate you against future, uh, you know, serious disease uh, from from that virus. So. Um, it says uh, right here, actually, it says back in China, you know, a thousand years ago, they were doing some hints of, of some type of, uh, of vaccination by taking powdered um, smallpox material, like <laughs> ground up scabs of, of smallpox and uh, blowing them up your nose, um, which seems pretty sketchy. But once again, <laughs> we're talking about the 10th century. So um, anyway, let's let's just say that we've come a long ways in the last yeah, thousand years, much less the last 200 years. Um, and we've got a lot more. Uh, the, the procedures to get vaccines are 
far more locked down. We'll talk a little bit about that. But before we do that, Johnny, you work in pediatrics. There's a whole regimen of, of vaccines that, that are recommended and, and that children get. Can you tell us a few of those and, and uh, when and, and why they get them? Yeah, so I mean, um, some of the vaccines, so like the smallpox vaccine, which is like one of the original vaccines, nobody gets that in the U.S. anymore because it doesn't exist in the U.S. anymore. Um, but some of the other vaccines like MMR, which is against measles, mumps, and rubella, um, the Tdap, which is tetanus, diphtheria, acellular pertussis, and things like that. Um, you know, these these vaccines, basically, they trigger the immune system to attack certain um, chemicals. So they, they teach them recognition. So if your body ever comes across that virus, then the activated immune system will cause you not to get infected by it. So for example, if you got the measles vaccine, then your immune system is going to be able to recognize the measles virus. So even though you may be exposed to the measles virus and you may actually get inoculated with measles, as soon as you do, your immune system will recognize the measles virus and kill it right away without you becoming symptomatic. So usually it's, you know, the the rampant uncontrolled diseases that, you know, will kill kids and other people um, when they're not controlled. If you can learn to control them, you know, that's the idea behind this, then uh, then it's much more effective. And, and something that's interesting about vaccines, you know, back in the day when they're developing these vaccines, it was a lot of trial and error. And, and there still is some trial and error, but our understanding of how the immune system works and how it's activated is so much better that we're able to, uh, you know, create new types of vaccines and things like that uh, much in a much safer way. Are all my understanding is that vaccines are there are different types of vaccines as the way that they kind of teach the immune system how to, to react against it. Are you saying that measles is like a live like a live virus? Is that part of the vaccine, or what? What types of different t ways are there that vi that uh, these uh, vaccines work to teach the immune system? Are, are they live virus? Are they just pieces of the virus? Yeah, um, so they, they, they can be live, they can be just pieces, there are different ways to do it. Um, so you can, you can like kill a virus, and then it still has like its viral coat, which your immune system can recognize is foreign and attack. Um, so when the, when the virus, um, you know, enters your body, then it will recognize it. So you can either have like parts of the virus, you can have um, a killed virus. You can have a live virus that doesn't contain the factors that cause disease or that they remove what, what's called a virulent factor. So it doesn't it doesn't affect you in the same type of way that uh, that the actual virus would be. But it is a, it is alive. Um, and then with the covid vaccine, um, basically triggering your cells to make a protein that the immune system will recognize as foreign when you get infected with COVID, which is a new 
um, kind of vaccine that they've actually been working on this for years and years, but we just really haven't had the need to use it. But it's not like a new technology. Right. And I think you so uh, we discussed this also right before the podcast. You, those of our listeners that are listening to us maybe for the first time or haven't listened to us much are thinking you guys are a little bit late to the party to talk about vaccines when you know that's been the topic du jour for like a year now. But actually, we discussed vaccines for the first time about COVID about 18 months ago when uh, Johnny was on and also our, our cousin or well, not Johnny's cousin, but my cousin Cade. Um, who works in a, a pharmaceutical company here in the United States, um, and he was disc- and they were discussing a development of medications that would be able to help uh, alleviate the symptoms of COVID versus being able to develop a vaccine. And Johnny, you talked a little bit then about developing a vaccine and kind of the timeline. The the reason that the COVID vaccine is different is because they were able to do it quicker, right? Is uh, uh, if they had to do it the traditional way, um, it would take longer. Yeah, I mean, so basically the the only thing that made it different is that they were able to um, they're able to kind of rush it through some of the stages, not in an unsafe way, but in a way where they granted emergency approval for the vaccine to be used before it went through all of the research stages that a normal like vaccine would um at that you know and is that something would be recommended is that something yeah i was going to say so you know we talked just a a few minutes ago then about the the history of vaccines and how 200 years ago it was you know just trial and error a bit sketchy some people died these days and and once again if any of our listeners want to go back and listen to our podcast where you know we're talking about the, the chemistry of the coronavirus back i believe it was april of 2020 um we talked a little bit then about um uh how uh, the the steps of getting a vaccine created and and or a, any any drug uh, and getting it getting it approved via the so obviously we're all in the United States here um, not all of our listeners are but I'd imagine each country has their own steps in order uh, necessary to get a medication approved or a drug approved or a vaccine approved and so. Uh, those have been developed over the course of decades, century, uh, more than a century now as to what steps need to go through to be done in order to make sure that the vaccine is as safe as possible. Is that something that you discuss also in medical school or is that something that's just mentioned like, OK, these things go through and by the time they get to doctors, you, you, you are certain that it's a, a safe product? Yeah. So one thing they teach us how to do in medical school because it's um, is how to. Um, read about this information and gain new knowledge in something that you might not know of. We were taught about that, about the basics of what you have to go through to get um, like a, a medication or a vaccine, um, you be able to be used and be FDA approved or, you know, other types of approvals that, that they go through. Um, then, I mean, obviously, there's not nobody that can remember everything perfectly. Um, so in a way, being taught how to look up the information and how to um, how to interpret it in a way that's unbiased is is something that's really important. And um, and I think that that's something that 
may have gotten lost a little bit um, in most recently is that um, you know there's there's all this research flying around out there and people don't necessarily know how to interpret it um, and so there's a lot of different opinions of what might be safe and what might not be um, but it's uh, you know I would really encourage people to uh, to look towards these research companies that you know, go through to develop these vaccines and make sure they're safe, like the CDC and, and things like that. I actually knew an infectious disease doctor when I was in medical school, um, and, and he told me a story about the, the flu vaccine. Um, he was part of the committee that approved the flu vaccine every year, which I thought was pretty interesting. So, he was telling us the story about the flu mist vaccine. Do you guys remember that? The mist that you got up your nose? That sounds familiar. You could get it instead of a shot. You could just get like the spray up your nose. Um, anyway, very popular at the time because no needles. Um, and there was some research that showed this might be really effective. And then the next year, um, there was some research that they did that showed maybe not. Um, so they pulled it off for the next year. And then the year after that, they thought, well, maybe it is again um, due to ongoing research. Um, now you don't really see it because it's been shown pretty, um, you know, by doing more and more research and thinking more about this, that it's not as effective. So instead of just saying, hey, you know, we have this vaccine and people like getting it this way better, they still are looking at the effectiveness of the vaccine, how it works, um, the immune response that it that it generates, um, and all these different types of things all the time to make sure that the product that's going to humans causes the best um, immune response, so prevents disease the best, basically, with minimal side effects. Um, so that's that's something that, you know, th they have a room full of very smart infectious disease doctors that have been studying this stuff their entire lives um, or their careers, I guess, to develop. Yeah, I think that's important to remember also just that there are people whose job it is to try to figure out if these things are uh, effective, if they're safe. And, um, you know, it's uh, just because and Johnny mentioned earlier, the, the COVID vaccine at first was not given full FDA approval. And right now it has full FDA approval for adults, I believe, still use it being used under emergency authorization for uh, 12 to 18 year olds, if I'm not mistaken. Johnny, if I'm mistaken, you can correct me. But yeah, I think that's right. I think the Pfizer is uh, right. FDA approved. I'm not sure if Moderna is or not. That's a good question. I don't remember either. Um, but uh it's all, this is all a question of, of, of risk tolerance, but these steps have been set up and, and emergency approval granted doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're all treating us like hamsters. It's they recognize that there is a pandemic and therefore a few of these steps might need to be alighted uh, in order to uh, hurry the process along so that we can save more lives. That's the whole point, right, is uh, they're trying to, to do something uh, that will save more lives, and they're trying, you know, at this whole time, you know, there are research doctors, research scientists that are trying to figure out, is it safe, is it not safe, uh, you know, at what uh, dosage is it safe, for, for what um, for what 
group of people is it safe and so the, the people's jobs are to look at this and and un, in an unbiased way figure out is it safe and um and and is it effective and and then obviously others are saying okay well we're in a pandemic we need to move this along and that's the case you know back 100 years ago with smallpox that's the case once again obviously now with covid and then all the other vaccines that we have similar type of ideas is they like johnny said with the, the flu vaccine with with the nasal spray is it work does it not work um so uh, just because the science doesn't uh, definitively say uh, right away, the whole point is they're they're trying to figure out and they're and they're moving along with the knowledge that they have, but they're trying to do it to help the most people uh, and be the safest that they can be. So, yeah, exactly. And and I, I think a lot of people lose faith in these big units when they um, change their minds, or it seems like they're flip flopping. Like this is safe? No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And really what they're doing is they're trying to, in real time, weigh all these pros and cons um, all the time to make sure that it is safe. And so it does seem like sometimes they waffle. And I get that that may cause some concern, but I would be more concerned if they didn't, if they're just like, it's safe, it's safe, it's safe, it's safe, and, right. and didn't like ever talk about adverse effects and didn't say, hey, you know what, there there are these other things that happen when you get the vaccine. Um, you know, that's that would be um, a lot more controversial, in my opinion, uh, than somebody that might waffle a little bit. I mean, yeah. for me personally, like I have opinions, but I my as I go through my life, I learn new things and have new experiences that gives me new insight. And those might change. Um, and it, it doesn't make the way I believed any, you know, like a lie or it doesn't make me a, a liar or anything like that. It just means that I've had new knowledge or new information that makes me think in a different perspective and in a different way. Yeah, it turns um, out being open-minded is a good thing. <laughs> being able yeah. to uh, take in new information and assimilate it, and and therefore change behavior as a result of it, is a sign of of being, uh, you know, actually, uh, you know, doing the right thing as opposed to uh, a like uh, authoritative government that yeah necessarily would uh, shut down all. So it, I guess one of the things that people probably Johnny when when they think oh you know. Um, this vaccine isn't safe, this COVID vaccine isn't safe, is they might believe that that what they hear in the media is it's safe, it's safe, it's safe. It's like you just said. And the reality is the doctors there, the people that are doing the research, they're all trying to figure out if it's safe. And the majority of them are saying it is safe and we need to move forward with it. Um, but there are obviously doctors out there whose job it is is still to research. Is this as safe as it needs to be? Can we make, you know, what uh, what information are we missing about this? Um, and so it's not as if the research community has uh, shut this off and, and said, well, we now know everything we need to know about it, right? It's just a question of um, how can we save lives? How can we move this forward in, in a way that is both safe and effective, once again? So. Yeah, and the, these committees, you have to remember that their goal is to help as many people as they can to prevent a disease. Okay. So, so they, they use statistics that may seem a little bit morbid to the, um, you know, to the common public, like, you know, what's the number needed to treat, like how many people need to get a vaccine in order for it to prevent disease. So if you have to treat a million people in order to prevent the disease in one person, that might not be so good. 
Um, there's there's also a, a number needed to harm. That's um, how many people need to get the vaccine in order for one person to have a serious adverse effect. Um, and so they use these numbers to help them decide whether or not this is something that is safe and effective. Um, so like I said, it seems a little bit morbid. You're like, you know, well, you're giving a vaccine, you know that there's side effects, you know it could actually harm people, um, but you have to look at the other side too and say, well, when I'm treating these people, I'm actually preventing the disease and preventing uh, death uh, right. in so many people. Yeah, actually. And so that's and I'd like, you know, there are probably people out there that, that are listening there, at least there might be that that don't want to get the vaccine. And, and they hear some of the things that you're saying and thinking, oh, he said it could harm me. And therefore saying, oh, I'm 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 right in saying it's not it's not for me. But I think the important thing is, once again, you've got to crunch the numbers even for yourself and, and be very open minded and realistic and crunching your own numbers to say, OK, well, just because there's adverse effect, what is, what is the, the probability that an adverse effect would affect me if I got the vaccine versus what are the probability that if I don't get the vaccine, I'm going to get COVID. And even if I don't die, which is a possible outcome of COVID, right? The other possible outcomes of COVID are I, get, I go to the hospital, I go to the ICU. Both of those, well, are, are better than dying, are incredibly scary, right? And, and besides scary, uh, expensive. Um, and so, you know, you've got to crunch a lot of numbers and be realize that people already have done that. And that's what you're saying. And and so this is one of the tables I, I found here a week ago that I thought was incredibly insightful uh, as far as the COVID vaccine. Now, we're taking this, obviously, specifically this vaccine because it's the, the vaccine that uh, is most uh, on people's minds these days. These types of things are done for all vaccines, as most of them aren't as controversial for whatever reason. Um, which Cameron mentioned before the podcast, we were talking about that. But um, this table I found, this is on the CDC website, is exactly what you were just talking about, Johnny. It talks about benefits of COVID-19 versus harms um, and the adverse effects of, of the, the, so the, and then they have the numbers of expected, um, and they have this broke out by, broken down by age group, the number of cases that they believe they'll prevent by inoculating or by vaccinating um, uh, where is that? A certain number. I think it's a hundred thousand, but it could be a million um, people. Uh, here it is per per million. Per million. Uh, this is how many cases they're going to prevent. This is how many hospitalizations they think they're going to prevent. This is how many ICU admissions they're going to prevent, and this is how many deaths they're going to uh, uh, prevent. Versus in the same table, the number of adverse events that are there are that are expected for every million doses of the, this vaccine, and they have it broken down for every vaccine, every COVID vaccine. So they have Johnson and Johnson, they have Pfizer, they have Moderna. Um, I assume they'll have the other one. I know outside of the United States, there's the, um, the there are other vaccines, and and I'd imagine that uh, the other research groups have have similar tables elsewhere. But looking at this table, it's the numbers are stark, right? It's crazy, uh, even for young people. So most young people think, oh, this isn't relevant to me, right? I'm a, an 18-year-old young woman. I don't need to worry about COVID. And as far as just like day-to-day -day, um, life goes, that's, that's true. As far as death goes, that's probably true. You, you're not going to die of COVID as an 18-year-old healthy young woman. However, it, if you look at the numbers, uh, this table shows that they expect that about five Eight, so this is five between 18 and 29 year old young women will die uh, from COVID 
uh, out of a million versus if you're vaccinated, um, it would prevent those deaths and they'd expect about one, um, I've said it wrong, a Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, that's one of the adverse effects of the Johnson and Johnson or thrombosis, uh, four to five cases of thrombosis. Uh, Johnny, what's, could you tell me what Guillain-Barre and, and thrombosis are? Yeah. Um, I mean, so Guillain-Barre is, um, basically it's an autoimmune type process. So your body will create an antibody against the um, cells that coat the nerves. Um, and so these cells start to release the nerves, which are very important for nerve conduction. Um, so you start to, to get uh, weak weakness. Um, and it usually starts from the bottom, like from the toes and from the legs, and then works its way up. And it can be fatal um, if it affects muscles such as the diaphragm, uh, then you can breathe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's what Guillain-Barre is. There's other rare um, Guillain-Barre where it affects the nerves um, in, in the, like of the head, the cranial nerves. So you can get like, um, like eye findings or uh, like, I don't know, just weird type neuro findings on the head. Um, but that's pretty rare. Most of the time it's this, you know, feet and and ankles and knees, and then it kind of goes up and you, you actually lose your uh, reflexes as well, which is something you can use to help diagnose it. Does um, it, does it resolve? Does, uh, or is that a lifelong thing? If you get Guillain-Barre, is it, you're stuck with it or does it resolve? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly terrifying, but there are treatments for it. So they use, hmm. um, different things. So you have the antibody in your body that's attacking the the nerve cell. So you have to remove that antibody. And there's several ways, there's a couple ways that are pretty common that they do it. One is they put in a whole bunch of other people's antibodies into your body. It's called IVIG. So it's intravenous immunoglobulin. So they take somebody else's antibodies and they put them into yours. Those will attach to your antibodies and stop them from attacking your own cells, okay? Um, then there's also something called plasmapheresis where they'll take out your plasma and then they'll wash all the antibodies out of it and then they'll put it back into you. It's kind of like dialysis, except um, just getting your antibodies out of the plasma. Um, and, you know, the, the most serious thing about Guillain-Barre is if it, if it does start to affect like your breathing, you may have to have some supported breathing for some time. Um, but Guillain-Barre um, rarely is something that you deal with for the rest of your life. It's something that's transient and is treatable in almost all cases. Okay. And then is it thrombosis? Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah. Yeah. Thrombosis is when you get a blood clot. Um, so so basically, there's a lot of different factors in your in your blood that control your uh, blood clotting. Um, so there's, um, you know, you, I'm sure people have heard of platelets, and then there's uh, other things that are important for clotting. If you want to see a really confusing graph, just look up the um, blood clot cascade. 
um, and it's very complicated. So there's a lot of things that go into blood clotting. Um, when something, and, and since there's a lot of things that go into it, when you have little tiny problems, it can cause big effects. Um, so uh, thrombosis means that you're basically building up clots faster than you're breaking them down. So you start to make these clots in your veins, almost always it's in your veins or the slow moving blood. Um, and the, the fear of that is that the veins travel to the right side of the heart, um, and then they go from the right side of the heart to the lungs. So I don't know if you've ever heard of a pulmonary embolism, but that's when you have like a blood clot that's in your leg or arm or wherever, and it goes to the right side of your heart, and then it goes out into your lungs um, and uh, causes some death of the tissue of the lungs, um, usually as is painful um, and then can cause, um, you know, if it's big enough, you basically block the big hose that go is going out of the right side of the heart. Um, and th I mean, that can be fatal, obviously. Um, but that, that's, that's pretty rare. Um, so the treatment for thrombosis is, it depends on where the thrombosis is. Some of them in the superficial veins don't need to be treated because the chance of them making it to the lungs is very, very low. For the ones that are in the deeper veins, they have a higher chance of dislodging and making it to the lungs. So those people will get put on uh, anticoagulants. And what that does is it prevents the body from making more clot around the clot that is already formed. So as they're on the anticoagulant, um, their body will slowly dissolve the clot over time, which your body does automatically. Um, you have like anti-clotting factors and things like that, that kind of keep a, a balance um, because too much clotting is bad, but not enough clotting is also very bad. So, so there's a very, there's a very special balance that you have to maintain. And so your, your body will slowly eat away this blood clot over time. Um, and then you can get off of the, of the blood thinners is what a lot of people call them or the anticoagulants. Um, and, and generally, um, you know, unless you're getting, thrombosis can be a big deal. I'm not going to say that it's not a big deal. If it goes to the lungs, it's a big deal. If it goes to the brain, that's a stroke, you know, like, but it's pretty rare to go to the brain. If it's in like the arms or legs, which is the more common place that a thrombos, that a, that a thrombus would be. Um, but wherever it dislodges and goes to it, it can be problematic for sure. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, I, you think I would have known either one of those, but as per my layman status, I knew nothing about either one of those. So thank you, Johnny. Um, so those are obviously bad side effects of the, this is the Johnson and Johnson vaccine we're, we're talking about on this table of, of the COVID vaccine. Um, and so not, not trying to hide the ball here, right? They're calling it what it is and saying how many they expect per million doses. The number is very small. And it's small across all these age groups. So right now I was talking about an 18 to 29 year old female age group and, and gender um, versus how many deaths and ICU admissions and hospitalizations they expect. So once again, saying uh, I'm an 18, 29 year old female and I expect uh, I don't have to deal with worry about COVID. So I'm not going to get the vaccine. Um, and then you hear about, you know, Guillain-Barre syndrome and, and thrombosis. And you're like, I'm never getting the vaccine. Well, you got to look at the rest of the table. And that the point is that your likelihood of getting that 
is uh, is five. So either one of those combined, so it's about is about five in a million. Five in a million are going to get one of those for for an 18, 29 year old uh, female. The the likelihood of dying of coronavirus dying is five in a million. So like Johnny just said, those are scary things, but they're treatable, right? The Guillain-Barre and thrombosis. Um, uh, death is not treatable. <laughs> not yet. Um, not yet, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and the other, so if you're like, oh, well, that's still one-to-one, and I don't want to do the, the likelihood, this is once again, per this table, and this table, the numbers are probably will change over time, but the, the, the trend lines are very clear. Um, the ICU admissions, so this is an 18 to 29-year-old female. Uh, they expect about 50, 20, 18 to 29-year-old females will be admitted in the ICU per million people that get COVID um, versus five, four to five that will have either thrombo, uh, thrombosis or Guillain-Barre. So uh, it's it's a 10%, you're 10% more, sorry, is that, uh, no, 100%, whatever. Uh, it's five to, against 50. So uh, you're 100% more likely. I don't, my, my math is failing me horrendously. But 10 times? 10 times more likely. That's what I was going <laughs> to Thank you, John. You're 10 times more likely to go to the ICU um, as a young female with COVID than you are to get one of these uh, adverse effects. And if you're going to the ICU with COVID, you know, all kinds of things could be happening, right? Maybe they'll end up having to intubate you, all, all kinds of, of scary things. So, um, and you, you know, it's funny is that um, the risk of getting thrombus with COVID is actually very high. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. Right. Which is right. Interesting. That is and, a good point. And another yeah. another thing to think about is as this virus has evolved um, and you see these new variants come out, the, the variants are infective because they're better at causing disease. Like that's why the variants spread. If the variants were worse than the original COVID um virus, then nobody would get it because they would all have the antibodies that would protect them, right? Everyone that had gotten it before. Um, but things like the the Delta variant is very, you know, talked about right now and things like that. Um, what we're seeing is this trend. And, uh, and I, it's really hard for me not to talk about this because I'm a pediatrician. Um, so we're, we're seeing this trend where there's actually kids that are being hospitalized with COVID that didn't happen last year. Like there were a few people that were hospitalized for COVID last year, um, but it was mainly like because they were vomiting and, and needed some IV fluids to rehydrate themselves. But we're seeing kids that are so sick that, I mean, there's somebody in our ICU that's been there for over a month and he's intubated and he's also on something called ECMO, which is extracorporeal oxygenation. Um, so, which basically means he's on like a bypass machine that oxygenates his blood because his lungs cannot, um, and it's a very big deal. And people may say it's just a small percentage of these people that are, that are dying. And I, I would love for you to go tell that to this family who goes in to see their son every day that's hooked up to this machine and intubated, um, you, you know, and, and you, I, I know that it's, it's like a, a personal decision and, and yes, I agree with that. It is a personal decision. You should have the, the right to choose. Um, 
but I would also encourage you not to be selfish and, and think about others during this time as well, um, because there are people that cannot get vaccinated. They cannot get vaccinated. And by getting a, a vaccine, um, you're actually helping protect them. Um, you know, people are always looking for ways to do good for other people. Uh, and for some reason, getting a shot isn't the, the you know, the, the favorite thing for people to do. I get it. Like, I used to pass out when I got close to needles before I was in the medical profession. <laughs> Sometimes I questioned my, uh, you know, why am I being a doctor if I'm Tough so terrified of needles? Yeah. But but it's, I mean, it's, I, I get it. I, I get how it can be scary. I get how there's a lot of unknowns and things like that. Um, but when you're thinking about this vaccine, think about everybody. Don't think about just you. Try to be a little bit selfish, but also a little bit selfless uh, when you think about all these things. Yeah, there's a lot to consider for sure. I do think I, I what I hope from this podcast is that you can consider there's a lot of information out there, which I, I would I'd like to present not only Johnny's doctor's perspective is just me as a layman and Cameron, if anything, he wants to chime in here is just like looking at the numbers. It just makes sense, right? Like there's there's a lot of things to consider. And, and so you got to sort through all the information. But when you get at the heart of it, you can recognize, oh, the numbers for me personally are, are actually better. Like, even if you're just being selfish, even if you don't look at the, the person that's suffering from it or dying from it, if you just want to be 100% selfish and look at your own risk and probability in in like 99.99999% uh, it's going to be better for you to get the shot. I mean, and, and the 0.00001% of people that, uh, that for whom it's not better it, are the people Johnny's talking about that aren't allowed to get vaccines anyway, right? So, um, and uh, so, yeah, let's talk about one other, a couple other things, because I know uh, there are a bunch of concerns that people have when they think about getting vaccinated, and in particular the COVID one, people hear a lot of this misinformation, and but then they hear some of this other, it's not directly misinformation, or but it's just confusing information, and that sometimes can be um, something called, so the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. VARES, VARS, whatever it is. VARES, yeah. Yeah, where they can see, and it's been reported that, oh, it's this large number of people that have died. And so all these other tables are, are probably not true or they're not accurate because this they're just not reporting all the people that have died from, from COVID. Um, my understanding, and Johnny might be able to tell us more after I tell us my layman understanding, is that that's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's good for what it's there for. It's a, a system to help research scientists and, and doctors to, to kind of figure out what are the effects of this vaccine that we that didn't come up in our trials and, and try to track down oh this this is an issue I, I believe this is how they figured out that my, myocarditis was an issue a uh, potential issue at least related to Pfizer and Moderna um, and we can talk about that in a second but but that I think this is how they track that this down but this is an, it's not tightly controlled as to who can who can report and 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 you can report something even if it's not actually related to the vaccine it's the so if you think it's related to the vaccine uh you can report it and so and and that's where you lose the 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 you know the scientific integrity as far as saying like okay i got you know i got a um i got a myocarditis, myocarditis uh two days after getting the vaccine is that related to the vaccine maybe maybe it's not Right. And that's what the doctors and the scientists try to figure out and try to tease out out of the uh, in, out of the information. And, and they, they try to do the research in there. So if you're looking at 
all of that, you have to take it with a grain of salt and say, uh, this is a lot of data. It's not entirely clean data, meaning there could be some, not necessarily even false reporting, but just reporting of data that might not be actually related to the vaccine. And and then remind yourself that it is actually someone's job, someone who cares. They actually care, right? They want to know if it's safe. It's somebody's job to sort that through and to figure out, oh, is this actually related? And, and the doctor's there, and that's what they want to do. They want to figure out if it's safe. And so to put, point at that number, uh, however many deaths they say or how many adverse reactions it is related to the COVID vaccine and say, oh, that's why I'm not getting the COVID vaccine. Uh, let's take a quick reality check and re- recognize that that's that that's a raw number. It's not, and and it's a vast majority of those probably actually aren't related to the the vaccine. And there are doctors out there trying to crunch those numbers and figure out what is actually related. And uh, and once again, they they do put out tables, like I said, and that one I was quoting from is just like two months old. Um, and so they they've figured out the trend line trend lines are very clear that it is far safer and far better for you to get the vaccine than not so any other information there johnny about vars vars yeah i mean anybody can report any symptom or whatever they they have and what they do is they try to find patterns because if there's no pattern then then there's no like then it's not like an effect okay so there may be something that happened one time to one person. Well, is that just unlucky or was that actually from the vaccine? Uh, and and it's, it's difficult to know. It's difficult to know, especially if you take it on a case-by-case basis, okay? So if you have, um, you know, they call the number of participants in a study the N. So if you have an N of one, if you have one participant that has any adverse effect, then 100% of people that you know, they have to report that 100% of people that had this thing had this adverse effect. Uh, well, that might just be an outlier and it might not even be an actual thing that happened. It might've just been bad luck, okay? So if you have a million people, if your N is a million, then you can start to say, oh, well, there were actually 50 people that had this, adverse effect. Um, and it was all the same thing. Uh, then you can start, you know, drawing some lines and some conclusions. But yeah, VAERS is very good for what it is. It's a reporting thing. But um, I mean, you have to like, people are like, oh, well, this many people that got the COVID vaccine died, but there's people that die every day. Like, that's the one thing that's going to happen to everyone that's alive is they're going to die. So um exactly i mean you you gotta like take it into consideration that there is like a baseline death rate for humanity and that people that get vaccinated are still going to die Uh, what you know what we're trying to prevent is deaths from covid i was told Uh, you know it doesn't make you immortal unfortunately oh i know that's what everyone was hoping for but okay uh, but yeah i and and it's it's something that um, for me personally, I go to, you know, the CDC and places like this because they spend billions of dollars doing research on these types of things. Um, and there is no way my uh, Google fingers, even though they may be a little bit more skilled than the average person, because I've had medical training and I have had, um, you know, a lot of experience reading through research articles and things. I'm going to trust them to do a much better job than me. 
you know, if, if I want to get a loan, I go to the bank. If I have a problem with my plumbing, I go to a plumber. And if I want to know about a vaccine or a disease, then I'm going to go to the CDC because they do way, they put way more money and have way smarter people working on this than me, for sure. Right. So you yeah. always, always have to reach up to those people that, you know, that that know more. If you want to be know how to be incredibly cheap, then you ask Tim, for example. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I need to make a, an official government organization for that. <laughs> Tim, by the way, a quick aside in college. Um, we all picked superheroes, uh, her- superhero identities for ourselves. Tim was tightwad man. So. <laughs> I could, I could like, you know, shoot lasers out of my eyes to lower prices, things like that. Yeah. If you tried to touch his wallet, it would give off like a sonic blast and destroy you. So, um, uh, anyway, used, uh, <laughs> anyway. It was very okay. epic. Back back to vaccinations. Um, so yes, uh, and it can be scary. And I understand that any time that you say, "Oh, you need to trust the authorities," there's this mistrust, this built-in mistrust of, "Well, they could be lying to me, or they could be wrong." And and I get that reaction as far as saying, "Well, sometimes people are wrong, and sometimes authorities are wrong." But the reality is that the majority of the people, even in 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 those types of institutions, are trying to do a good job. But let's say even let's say the CDC was full of corrupt individuals and they were all wrong. Let's say that's true. Let's look at the other 200 countries out there, right? Let's say our our, our government's just rife with uh, corruption and they've pushed it all the way down to the doctors. Even Johnny's in on it, right? Um, Team Fauci. I knew it. <laughs> let's, let's say that that's true. Right? Let's just grant you that. Let's say that's true. Um, what about the other 199 countries out there, right? Many of whom don't like our government, or uh, and but they're they're all saying the same thing, right? They're all say, uh, saying get vaccinated, you know, vaccines are safe. Um, you you don't have to stop it. Uh, it's not a one-stop shop. Now I believe also the CDC is a great uh, source of information. That's where I do a lot of my reading. But if you are too, uh, you if you want to say I don't I don't trust just that. Then, then look beyond our borders, right? We're beyond your borders of your own country, and, and look at what other countries are doing, and, and draw a trend line from that. Because, um, you know, unless this is a global conspiracy, well, let's not go into that. Okay. Um, <laughs> to put it in the terms of a, a friend of mine who actually uh, works for the Republican Party, he um, he noted that you know, on the one hand, uh, a lot of conservatives, because that's where a lot of this this doubt, um, doubting, you know, the medical authorities is coming from. Uh, on the one hand, we, we want to believe that, um, you know, th- there's this yeah lar- large scale, sophisticated conspiracy that, with this incredible cover up. And on the other hand, we're claiming that the government is packed full of, you know, inept individuals who are and um, who who are are, you know, making gaffes and and you know, blowing easy things all the time. And, and so we kind of want to have it both ways, you right. know, d- depending on, on what we're criticizing at the moment. And, and you, yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, it's an inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah. And I and like I said, I don't want to lose anyone that that's, thinks differently. Like, I don't uh, I want you to just understand that there's a lot of um, 
a lot of other sources you can look to if, if for whatever reason you don't trust our government. I won't even question you on that. Whatever your reasons might be, you go for it. What I'm saying is, in, and especially in cases of health, like what Johnny's talking about, what we're talking about, the subject of this podcast, you need to do uh, your research and you need to look at multiple sources. You need to look at a lot of variety. If you don't trust the CDC, I, I don't know why, but if for whatever reason it is, then then at least at least look beyond our borders. Say, well, what's Canada doing? What's Mexico doing? What's Brazil doing? What's Spain doing? What's uh, Israel doing? What's Russia doing? What's China? You know, everyone is saying, let's get vaccinated, right? So, um now, let's take this uh, back from COVID across all vaccinations now, because even before COVID came uh, and the COVID vaccine, there were people that weren't particularly fans of, of vaccination. So let's talk about a couple other kind of generic questions. So uh, vaccine effect, uh, effectiveness and efficacies. Uh, we can talk about a little bit about COVID, but also just about in general. Um, Johnny, I, the, the the COVID vaccine is one I know, uh, you know, the efficacy rate of of uh, quite high for, for most of our uh, of the vaccines that are out there. What about other vaccines? How effective are they in stopping uh, the diseases? Um, you ever seen measles? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, so vaccines aren't perfect at preventing disease. That's true. Um, it's not a hundred percent. It's not like you get the vaccine, you'll never get the disease. Um, but uh, but it reduces your rate significantly, uh, and it has reduced it so much for a variety of diseases that th you basically don't even see them anymore. Like, uh, for example, um, I mean, this is one like it, that was is, is in our lifetime, Carl, uh, like varicella, chicken pox. Chicken pox. Yeah, I had chicken pox. So did I. Everyone had chicken pox back then. Everyone got it. Right. Johnny, that, that's what they want you to think. <laughs> and, and now I work in a pediatric office, okay? I see, you know, people are like, my kid has a weird rash. I mean, you sent me a rash photo the other day, Carl. Yes, so I did. People are sending me rash photos all the time, <laughs> coming into the office all the time. Hobbies. I, I have never seen someone with chicken pox it's crazy it doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore that's why it's it's very it's very rare now so so vaccines are very effective for preventing disease and you know a lot of people are like well you know like prove that that was actually a disease and uh, i just I, you know there's all these strange arguments uh, and it's like right well we can't deal with everyone millions of, those. of people that died from it <laughs> right Yes, yeah, so we're not going to deal with every one of the potential reasons, but what we want to do is establish a, a, a good reason to get vaccinated. And I think so. what Johnny was just saying is, is a great reason, right? Like, look, you might think, well, chickenpox is no big deal. Well, people did die of chickenpox, right, Johnny? That wasn't it wasn't. I mean, most kids just recovered and were fine, but chickenpox did kill some people, right? Yeah, especially like the little babies. Um, it, it can be it can cause a really bad infection around the brain. Um and then also, uh, when, if you get chicken pox, then later on you have uh, the the capabilities of being one of the lucky people that develop shingles. I got that is, once. I got it. I had it. <laughs> it's yep. terrible. It's, it's pretty terrible. Bad. Um, so and, and it can like affect your eyes and your vision and things like that, which, you know, becomes more of a big deal. People tend to like to see. 
I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. Um, okay. So uh, and the other thing, like you said, you're mentioning that you know it's incredibly effective. You just don't see like smallpox. You don't see anymore measles. You don't see anymore mumps. You know, any of these things, you just don't see them anymore. And that's because, like you said, even though vaccines aren't perfect, and the COVID vaccine isn't perfect, right? You can still get COVID after getting vaccinated. The the, the thing is that when we reach a certain critical mass of, of uh, vaccinated people, uh, that's when we hit something called herd immunity, right? And that's when all of a sudden the virus can't pass anymore because it can't, it doesn't have anywhere to go, right? Yeah, exactly. The, a virus needs a host to survive. And if if you come in contact, I mean, let's say, you know, there's 1% uh, transmission or or whatever, but 100% of people are, are vaccinated, but you know maybe it's 99% effective. Well, maybe one of those 100 people get vaccinated, but the chances of them passing it to another 1% person, I don't know, I'm not good with uh, with math, but isn't it like- I'm not either. One out of 100 times <laughs> one out of 100 or something like that? Let's anyway. not ask Tim either. Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> but my answer is slim. <laughs> yeah, slim, small. Uh, so, so yeah, um, I mean, the the herd immunity um, also um, does things like protect newborn babies that cannot be vaccinated yet uh, because they are not old enough. Um, so when you know, so you don't see, you know, brand new babies aren't vaccinated for measles, mumps, rubella, like any of these things. But you don't really see them very often, uh, like extremely rarely, because everybody else is vaccinated for those things. So they don't get transmitted to the babies. Um, and these were things that were lethal to babies. Um, and there's other uh, diseases like uh, hemophilus influenza. Um, you know, like getting an ear infection, a bacterial ear infection was, I mean, getting an ear infection is still pretty common. But getting a bacterial ear infection was super common, like 50 years ago, um, before the you know these uh, vaccines were widespread. And the same bacteria that caused those ears and ear infections would cause meningitis, which is an infection around the covering of the brain. Uh, that's bad news. Um, that kills kids. Uh, and and you just you don't see that very often anymore. It does still happen, but it's very very far and few in between because of vaccines. So the, the, the um, you know, the pediatrician, the job of the pediatrician has changed drastically in the last 60 years because it used to be, you know, these sick kids that are dying in the ICUs. And now it's focused more on preventing the disease by getting them vaccinated in the office. And it's and we're doing a fantastic job, actually, at preventing well, the disease. Yeah. And you also get pictures of rashes from what I've heard. That's part exactly. Of the yeah. job I don't know who would do that. <laughs> OK, yes. Um, uh, let's just move along. Um, no, I. Uh, yeah, clearly the, the, you know, the pediatricians uh, getting kids vaccinated has been transformative to uh, modern medicine and, and, and life expectancy and quality of life. And so, you know, let's be grateful for the vaccines. I guess that's my big uh, takeaway. There's a couple other things I want to hit on, though, before we uh, uh, get off this uh, this uh, vaccine roller coaster here is. Um, so a couple other things I know that, that people that don't 
necessarily want to get the vaccine also have questions or issues with is uh, so we talked about they feel like oh well if I, if I get vaccinated I can still get COVID and and oh I've also heard I can still spread COVID um, the, it's incredibly uh, unlikely like Johnny just said so your chances of getting it and spreading it are significantly lower than they were if you're unvaccinated which matters uh, as far as uh, spreading it to the community and uh, being a, a transmission vector um, but it's also the case that when you get it you're once again you've you've lowered the level of um uh, risk that you have so everything you do in life has risk right i'm going to finish this podcast and i'm going to walk downstairs there's a chance that while i'm walking downstairs i'm going to trip and die uh it's incredibly For those low. of you who have never seen carl walk it's actually <laughs> a high risk higher than higher than most okay <laughs> But it's not going to stop me. I'm still going to walk down those stairs. And, um, and you know, that's because while I know that there's risk associated with it, I also realize that that risk is so ridiculously minute that it's uh, irrelevant to how I'm going to live my life, right? And that's the case, you know, um, both with getting uh, – uh, so if I get vaccinated and am I worried about the side effects? Yeah, I'm, I'm, they exist. Sure, they do. But once again, the, the chances of me falling down the stairs are probably about the same as me getting one of these really bad side effects of, uh, from, from the COVID vaccine or one of these other vaccines. So once again, and, put, put that into perspective. <laughs> and, and adding to that perspective, uh, numeracy, understanding the numbers involved. While there are side effects involved in getting the vaccine, um, the side effects of, not, of getting just straight up COVID are actually much more severe. But yeah, you need you do need to take into consider, consideration just the the risk involved, and 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 to recognize that if I get vaccinated, not only um, am I uh, my, is my risk dropping, I'm actually helping everyone else's risk drop too. And uh, while you might think, oh, it doesn't matter, everyone else is fine, uh, everyone else can get vaccinated if they want to. That's true. But like you said, John, like Johnny's just talking about, newborn infants can't get. Um, uh, infants can't get vaccinated. There are other uh, small percentage, small number of people in, in the population that can't get vaccinated, but they exist. And and generally, once again, even though I'm vaccinated, they, I still have some risk of getting COVID. And I have a very, 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 very small risk of dying because I'm vaccinated, but it still exists. Uh, in as much as we get to herd immunity where everyone's vaccinated and the disease essentially just peters out and dies, well, then my risk is zero, right? My risk right now of dying of smallpox is zero. Um, and so that's, uh, while it's mostly true that me being vaccinated means that I don't have to worry about everyone else, it's not entirely true. And uh, let's let's recognize that what we do as a community matters. And when we're talking about something small, like getting a shot in your arm with an incredibly low risk, uh, yeah, it, it's something that's worth doing. Um, and and just uh, so let's a couple of things to hit on real quick. Johnny, boosters. Um, do you get um, so me, uh, MMR, uh, ten, uh, tetanus, those types of um, uh vaccinations do you give boosters for those as well yeah absolutely um you know if you you know step on a nail um what's the first thing they ask you in the doctor's office you know when was the yeah. last tetanus shot you got yep. and guess what you're gonna get a booster um so um uh, so yeah vaccines are effective and 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 for a certain amount of time um and each vaccine is different um so that's why you have to get the flu shot every year. Well, because the flu is changing a lot. 
Um, but there's other vaccines that you have to get boosters for uh, on a set schedule. And, and there's a lot of science and stuff that goes into the vaccine schedule that I'm not going to talk about, but it's thought about very carefully to make sure that you remain immune to those diseases. Right. Yeah. So I guess that's another thing that, you know, people are wondering like, oh, if I have to get a booster, then why do I need to to get, uh, you know, the vaccine must not be that good to begin with. Well, the point is that it, it is that good to begin with, uh, but that doesn't mean your immune system then forever, uh, forever more will be perfect. And so like Johnny was saying that doctors figure out when you when you need it and they can figure out that from your blood when you need it. And and they try to be careful about it, just like everything else. Right. Um and uh, but, you know, it's it's not the case that COVID boosters are the first vaccine where you need a booster. All these other shots. I, I recently went to my my physician and got an MMR booster, actually, um, because uh, well, we won't go into all the reasons why. But um, suffice to say, I do not have measles, mumps or rubella, but uh, I needed to in order to uh, help my wife along with her job. So um, uh that may have been confusing what I just said. I needed to get the vaccine to help my life, uh, wife along with her job. Not, I didn't need to get measles, mumps, and rubella to help my wife along with her job. That was, I wonder what kind of That's job. That's weird job. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so boosters are a long established precedent um, and, and therefore COVID boosters are something that are in the news a lot. It's once again, it's doctors just doing their job. They're just trying to figure out when do people need uh, the uh, additional help of a vaccine booster. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Last and, thing. And, okay. uh, Sorry, can I jump. mention one other thing? Yeah. So another thing, too, is, you know, when you get a vaccine, the chances of you being in the hospital are are basically close to zero. Okay. So your chances of going to the hospital and having to be in the hospital for COVID are very low. We've seen, um, you know, spikes in our cases in our hospital so much that, uh, that we couldn't even uh, accept traumas. So these are people that, you know, got in a car wreck. They need emergency surgery to fix a broken femur and can't get it because the ICU is full of co people with COVID. Um, and, uh, and there's just a shortage of healthcare workers and, and things like that as well, which makes it even more difficult. So, you know, keep that in mind as well, um, that you may not be getting, dying from COVID, but you may be preventing the spread of COVID so that when you need help from a doctor, there's actually one there that can help you. Yeah, for sure. Okay. When I said one more thing, I actually meant four, but I'm just going to hit them real quick. And Johnny, if I miss something or something you want to tack on or Tim or Cameron, please go ahead. So natural immunity, that's something a lot of people are talking about. Uh, um, the question whether or not natural immunity is significantly better than the vac vaccine immunity. I don't want to talk too much about it. I'm a layman. Johnny would probably do better about it, but just suffice to say at the end of the podcast, sure, natural immunity is good. And there, there, I'm sure there are scientific studies trying to figure out which one's better and, and whatever else. But the, the point is to get natural immunity, you had to have COVID. Uh, you're, <laughs> therefore, the risk of you dying or getting hospitalized, though those existed, right? You, you had those risk factors. And so I would say, oh, well, I'm going to worry. I'll, I'll just develop natural immunity. Well, then you might die. 
So, and if you say, well, I had COVID and I'm fine now, and so I have natural immunity, I don't need the vaccine, that might be true. But it it might, you know, just like uh, the vaccine immunity wanes, natural immunity eventually will wane, depending which one's better, who cares? Either way, getting a vaccine shot or a booster shot um, won't hurt you, won't kill you. We just talked about the risk uh, associated with it. So once again, there's a risk associated with anything you do in your life, waiting after you have natural immunity to say, well, I've got natural immunity, I don't need the vaccine, you then are incurring the risk of, well, okay, well, what if you are a breakthrough case with natural immunity and you get COVID, right? What, well, so what's what's the, the risk of just going and getting the vaccine? Well, um, that, that, that's happened. There's people that have gotten COVID more than once. I don't know right. why this is a big secret. It's, a, it's happened. Lots. Right. There's right. lots of people that had COVID more than once. Right, right. So, yeah, so... There's no reason that if you've had COVID and uh, uh, going and getting the vaccine isn't going to kill you, right? It, it's uh, you can still get vaccinated and there's no reason not to. Um, so uh, do vaccine. Another question I've seen and heard and read about it. Do vaccines cause the mutation? So the Delta variant or the other the other variants that exist out there are, are the vaccines the one that are causing the mutation? I'm not enough of a scientist to be able to answer that particularly well. However, what I can tell you is smallpox is gone, like Johnny said. Measles gone, mumps gone, um, and what you know. So, if enough people got vaccinated, it wouldn't really matter what causes the mutation. It would, the virus would just go away. Um, and so, whether or not it's people uh, who are spreading it, and as it gets spread, it mutates, which makes sense to me, um, or if it's the people that have I, I don't understand necessarily the other case, but if you want to say that I'm vaccinated and therefore my 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 system is making the virus mutate in order to affect me, uh, I don't know. But either way, if uh, it's not effective in doing so, if everyone's vaccinated and the, the disease dies off, so uh, I can answer that really simply. Okay, the answer is no. Okay, perfect. <laughs> there we go. So you don't. My layman explanation um, is uh, much uh, more complicated than the actual scientific. Uh, vaccines do not cause virus mutations. Thank you, Johnny. And Carl, and, and the opposite is true because vaccines drastically diminish the incidence of the virus and virus incidence is what enables vaccine or virus mutation. Um, the virus viruses mutate because they make you know millions upon millions of copies of themselves. The more copies are being made, the higher the chance of a mutation happening. Oh, there so, we go. So by by vaccinating a population and reducing the number of copies of the virus being made, you reduce the the probability that a new dominant variant will emerge. And okay. so, yeah, it, it's it, it, the opposite is true. Vaccines, um, the viruses like COVID and the flu are um, rapidly mutating viruses. The way to stop them from developing new variants is to reduce the incidence. So anyways, there we go. Thank you, Tim and Johnny. Um, okay, uh, I do know a lot of people that say that they uh, they don't need the vaccine because they're taking something else that is uh, preventing them from getting COVID. Um, that doesn't really exist yet. Uh, there are things that can help, from what I understand, but it's not the case that any of them are as effective as the vaccine. Um, potentially, eating broccoli and running would help you, uh, you know, your immune system be stronger and therefore be able to fight off the coronavirus strain. Uh, it doesn't it just you know, and anything you do once again coming back to this theme of mind anything you do in life has risk uh if you're taking a different medication that you think is stopping you from t uh, having coronavirus 
uh, or COVID-19, um, there's a very real po possibility that you're uh, incurring significantly more risk of side effects uh, than you would be just getting the vaccine. So uh, whatever you think you're avoiding, probably try to take that risk factor into into uh, Johnny and I talked about this weeks ago as far as just different medications that people are, are trying to uh, take and, and they think are, is either helping them get over COVID or whatever. The vaccine is much safer. So do that. Uh, last thing. And this one's I know. Just very don't don't please. If you're out there, uh, I don't like if you don't want to get a vaccine, whatever. Don't take horse medicine. OK, like don't <laughs> take livestock medicine. Just please don't please. OK, that's it. Yep, that's it. Yep. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, I was going to say, Johnny, I don't care that you're a doctor and I don't care what thousands of doctors out there say. I'm going to listen to the random dude I hear on TikTok. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, that's often the case. But hopefully if they found if random dude is if whoever listened to that dude has also found us, they let's just let's stick with, uh, you know, here's the data. Here's the doctor. And here's what we have to say about it. And let's make our best informed decision. Last thing is this question of mandatory vaccines. And Johnny touched on it briefly. Everyone likes to have their freedom and their freedom of choice. I understand that. And everyone wants to uh, be able to decide in life what is uh, what they put in their body and don't I understand that. Um, it is the case, however, skirting the topic of, of whether or not mandi mandatory vaccines are a good idea. Well, actually, I will come back to that in a second. Here in the United States, it's uh, become this big topic of, oh, is it even legal? Can can man vaccines be mandatory? And the, the short answer is yes. Uh, they can be, and at least at the state level, it has already been established precedent, uh, Supreme Court precedent. So if you want to look up the uh, Supreme Court, uh, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, uh, this is from the year 1905. So the idea that this is a new issue, uh, that vaccine mandates are taking away our freedoms, is, is just not quite accurate. Uh, we're looking at more than 100 years of precedent where uh, a society, this is a reverend who had an issue with the smallpox vaccine, and he was being, uh, uh, there was a organization behind him called the Anti-Vaccination Society uh, back in the 1905, and they took a, a case all the way to the Supreme Court about they didn't want to take the vaccine, and Supreme Court ruled heavily. Uh, a large majority said the state has an interest and therefore is allowed to, mandatory, uh, to mandate vaccines. Um, and so uh, it is not the case that this is a, a recent thing. It is not the case that, um, that the state doesn't have a vested interest. And like I said, we have in, we have listeners in the UK and in India and Australia, all across Europe um, and in Africa. Lots of these places, this has already been uh, established. It's already been decided that the, the government has a public interest in the public health. And therefore, they can mandate particular vaccines. Now, if that is uh, makes cause you to revolt or, or to, to uh, if that causes angry feelings inside of you, I understand that having someone tell you you have to get a shot is frustrating. However, once again, revisit all of this information and all of this. Uh, and, and if you don't trust anything I've said, start looking outside of just uh, take the majority of the data. Not, not even just my data or the data that you like. Look across the world and let's look at what everyone else is doing. And, uh, and if you're like, oh, well, everyone else is a lemming. Uh, let's 
be slightly more realistic and recognize that everyone's just trying to make the best informed decisions for their own health. And to say that everyone's against you, I don't think is quite fair to everyone else's motives. So um, we're trying to just inform. And I said, I'm no doctor. I got the vaccine. I got MMR. I've got tetanus. I, I got jabbed with so many needles last week. I can't. It was a lot. And so uh, I'm good. I'm good to go. I uh, no adverse effects as far as I'm aware. Um, and so vaccines are wonderful. Um, there's court precedent for mandating them. I understand that can be frustrating, but uh, do it if for no other reason than that it's going to make you safe. And if you, uh, you know, if you have any questions about that, start, uh, you know, find other avenues of, of, of information and, and take it all in a holistic picture. Last words, Johnny or Tim? Um, I'll, I'll throw out just um, adding to what you say about doing your own research. Um, sorry, baby. Is, uh, she, she feels strong about this as well. <laughs> so, um, I'll, I'll add, as you do research, uh, beware, be wary of curated data. Um, what, I, what I find a lot of times when I talk to friends who disagree with me and therefore must be wrong <laughs> no, um, but no, I, I, I'm a, an English teacher. And so teaching research is, is one of the things that I do. And um, w one of the things that we have to be wary of when we're doing research is we find that we, we get sources of information that have curated their data. So, for example, if I go to a, a certain news show that I like that um, per, is an advocating a certain perspective. Well, that that show, uh, and actually this is true of, of many news organizations, um, will have a particular slant and so is going to tend to favor certain data and statistics. So if I listen to that show faithfully every week and, and uh, or every day, and I'm, I'm really plugging in, then I'm getting a lot of information. I feel really well informed. I've got stories, I've got, you know, statistics, I've got experts and, and I'm getting all this stuff. So I feel well informed. The, the problem is everything that I'm receiving from that source is curated. It's um, the, the organization has gone through and selectively chosen the data, uh, the experts, the stories that support their point of view. So if, if I'm listening to a news organization that is skeptical of vaccines or is perhaps um, contrarian in a contrarian position uh, against government, um, then it's just my information has been curated before I've even gotten a hold of it. Um, so I need to I need to branch out and look at other sources of information, which can be kind of tricky. Uh, the way that I do it is I try to listen to um, news organizations from both ends of the political spectrum. And that way I can at least get the full picture. I don't always believe everything I hear from either either end. But I know that the information I'm getting is more complete because I'm not relying just on one end of that spectrum. So beware of curated information. And one more thing I'll just throw out, confirmation bias. Watch out for that, too. We have our own leanings or whatever. I have a friend who just <laughs> was talking to me today and pointed out the story of a man who was fully vaccinated who died from COVID. And he you know, was saying, well, hey, so this means that the vaccine doesn't work. <sighs> Confirmation bias. The millions of people who, who have been, you know, who have not gotten 
COVID because the vaccine, it, and he's looking for at the one case that uh, of someone who did get it and died, you know, that's um, when, when we filter out everything except for the stuff that reinforces our, our worldview, we get a very slanted view of the world. So sorry, that's probably a little, a little uh, overload, but uh, these are important things. When, when we tell people, you know, go out and find out for yourself, we also need to, as we do that, we need to be thoughtful and very careful because uh, we easily get down rabbit holes. For sure, like Alice. Uh, Johnny. Uh, no, I think that everything was covered very well. So okay. uh, so get, get out there, get your vaccine, uh, you know, do research in the right way. And I think that you'll see, just as Carl said, that the, the risks of not getting it are worse than getting the vaccine. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you have any questions or if you want to uh, let us know what you, uh, you know, your uh, thoughts are, uh, give us, uh, send us an email. Um, we do have an exciting podcast coming up. Uh, so uh, follow us on Spotify or Apple or whatever else. You know what, though, before we leave, I do have to call out North Dakota. Um, very disappointed that, um, you know, we have all 50 states that listen. What? Well, sorry. We have 49 states that listen to our podcast. North Dakota is letting us down month uh, after month after month. And we need we need that to change. So um, let's contact those. Um, individuals and wildlife that live that there. individual. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's Sorry, get them on board. <laughs> so share this with your North Dakotian friends and uh, relations, and and uh, and let's um, let's join together and uh, let's get past some of these vaccination issues, so we can talk about more fun things next time. And and and, and when you're thinking about who to trust for your information. Just remember, learn it from a layman. That's right. Always trust a layman. And Johnny. We had Johnny too. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys next time.